you are tuned into our worship service at Friendship Baptist Church in Mont Alban, Texas. We believe God desires to meet you right now in the hearing of His Word. We are a small town church, but we're seeing a big size God, and we are excited for you to be a part of it today.
Y'all going to be seated. Praise the Lord. It's a happy day for me. I am in the Lord's house. You're in the Lord's house. And we're here to worship the Lord today. Amen? Amen. All right. And if you had any part of the revival this week, if you had any part from Sunday night all the way to Wednesday night, man, I don't know how you can't have a happy year. I, I just coming out of that revival, just revived, excited, just seeing the Lord move. In fact, I want Hayden, you come up here, buddy. I want to tell y'all a story. And, um, Cody Killian also, but Cody's not here. He's working on Sundays now, and so um, y'all, he's watching online. He's, he always comments, and so Cody, we love you, brother, but Cody gave his life to Christ on, on Wednesday, um, so praise the Lord. And I wanted Hayden to come up here, and I'm telling you, God is, I want to tell you a story. Y'all like stories? This is a God story, all right? We had the Lord's Supper on Sunday, and um, we, we talked about the Lord's Supper, and we said, you know, if you're not in Christ... And it's something you, you, you don't have assurance of your faith, then, then let the, the cup and let the bread pass. Don't take of it just because everybody's taken of it. This is to reflect and remember the covenant that God has made with us. And so the cup and the bread came to Hayden and he let it pass. And dad back there said, you know, I, I knew God was doing something when that happened. I knew God was doing something. And so he comes to the revival I think it was Monday night when I, you came up and we prayed together and God was just all over them and we prayed. And I'm telling you what, on Wednesday night, um, God just really showed up and showed out on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, the time of the altar call came and here comes Hayden walking. I thought he was going to trip. He was coming up so fast. He just was coming up and he just was looking for me and he grabbed a hold of me and he said, I just need Jesus. Amen. I need Jesus. And, and, and so praise God. We talked through that, and I said, brother, you cry out to him. This is the time you cry out. You let go, and you say, God, I need you. I need you. I need your salvation. I'm a sinner. We walked through that, and I said, you just cried out, brother. And I don't know if I've ever heard someone cry so loud and so boldly. He said, God, save me. Amen. God, save me. Praise the Lord, church. You can go back and be seated, brother. Praise the Lord. So next Sunday, y'all, we're going to celebrate baptism, and so we're looking forward to that. I'm still got to get with Cody and walk through that, but I know Hayden's getting baptized next Sunday, and so praise God for that. So excited about what God did, and um, we asked that the Lord would just show up, that a cloud would fall, just like the tabernacle of meeting, that his presence would be so evident there, and I'm telling you what, it was like we were in the midst of the cloud on Wednesday night when we were closing everything up. It was just God's presence was so heavy. So heavy there. And so praise God. I could tell you a thousand stories from what happened this week. And so praise the Lord. We'll just rejoice that he's good. We're going to worship the Lord today. Um, before we do, I want to pray for Israel. Y'all probably have seen online, seen on the news, some things going on in Israel. And so there has always been this conflict ever since World War II and walking through that even before. All the way back um, to God's promises and the scriptures. There's been conflict. But specifically at the Gaza Strip, this little area right down the southwest part of Israel. And um, they broke through some barriers and kind of raided 15 miles up out of that area and raided. There's uh, several hundred people that have died through that. And um, it's a mess. The, the, um, and when Israel gets messed with like that, it's not pretty. Israel retaliates, and they retaliate hard. I don't know if you've heard the Six-Day War back in 1967. It took them six days, and they ended up, um, through that time in the 2021, there was an 11-day war that happened where um, some similar things were going on. I mean, Israel will retaliate hard, but um, I just believe God has his hand on Israel, and he always has had his hand on Israel. And I believe he's not going to take his hand off of Israel. And so let's just spend a moment this morning praying for, for our brothers and sisters over there and God's chosen people and that God would just show himself even through the midst of it all. And so, Father, we come before you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, God, that you are a good, good God. You're a good father, Lord. 
Lord, I thank you for salvation, Lord. I thank you for, for Hayden and Cody and them giving their lives to you, Lord, and just the blessing of, of the work of the gospel being exemplified in our lives, God. Lord, what a blessing. And Lord, that promise started way back when, Lord, with your people, even with Abraham, and you choosing him, God, and, and, and calling descendants and offspring all the way pointing to Christ, Lord, and you have worked through the Israeli people, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would protect the nation there. I pray that you would protect them, God. I pray that you would um, protect our brothers and sisters in Christ in the area, Lord. Sebastian's mom's over there in Jerusalem. Right now, we pray you protect her and her church, Lord, and those that are there. God, I pray, God, that you would just move mightily in that country. Lord, use this as an opportunity to show your magnitude once again, God, that you are big and huge and good. Lord, show the Israeli people, are, are the Hebrew people, God, the Jewish people. Lord, that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited one, the promise, Lord. Lord, open their eyes to it through whatever you desire and however you desire to do it, God. Show them the goodness of the gospel. God, we love you and we praise you and we pray for the nation of Israel. And we pray that even here in this place, in Blackfoot, Texas, you would hear our cry and you would move mightily across the oceans, Lord. Lord, move in this place too, in our hearts, right here, God, we desire to meet with you today, Lord. And so, God, would you allow us to meet with you in a special, unique, awesome, God-glorifying way. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.
Father, may that be our anthem, God. Lord, that we would all be able to just say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, how amazing is your love? Something um, I don't even know how to really express fully, God. Something I don't know how to really even fathom at times, God. How much you love us. God, thank you for your love. Lord, make it known even greater today. Lord, for the one that feels unlovable, God, would you remind them that in essence, we're all really this place of not deserving love, but God, you chose to love anyways. Lord, it's not about how lovable we make ourselves. It's about how you, while we were still yet sinners, died for our sins because you loved us. You loved us first so that we can love you, Lord. And so through understanding and experiencing your love, I pray, God, that we would love you back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How amazing is your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Praise the Lord. Have y'all ever seen something that just completely blows your mind? Y'all say, yeah? Yeah? Um, I I almost said something smart and I decided not to say it. Um, Man, I think about those times in life where you do see something though and and you see something that just is is almost inexpressible. You see it and you're like, I don't even know how to put words to this that I'm seeing. I don't know how to even describe this thing that I'm seeing. I I don't know how to put words. A picture, I can take my smartphone out, I can capture a picture, but the picture doesn't do justice to what I'm seeing. I can't even take somebody else's words for what they see because I just can't help but to see it and know that it's beyond describable beyond imaginable, beyond what I can express. You just have to see it. When I think about that, I think about the natural wonders of the world. I think about like the northern lights. Could you imagine being in Canada or Alaska or somewhere up north where you see the northern lights? Has anybody seen the northern lights? Oh my goodness. Was it beautiful? I just imagine it being one of those breathtaking moments of just being amazed at what you're seeing. What about maybe the, the um, I think about the Niagara Falls and, and just being able to walk as close as you can to the, the drop off of those waters and being able to see just waterfalls engulf you or maybe the giant sequoias, the huge trees you can drive in between and, and just seeing the, the beauty of all these trees or the redwoods and seeing all of them or, or perhaps the one that I know because I've been to is, is the Grand Canyon. Y'all imagine the Grand Canyon? We love you, Dad. Y'all say, love you, Dad. (laughs) It's tough sometimes with a little one, ain't it, church? But it's all good. We love you. Um, I'm telling you, the Grand Canyon, when I was there, it was one of those moments where you see it and you just can't help but to just stare. I tried to take a picture, it didn't work. The sun was setting, the the picture never captured the sunset like I saw it, and I just, I I can't help but just to be amazed. And I thought, the thought I have this morning is, if we are so amazed by the wonder of creation, I mean, to the point where it just almost makes us speechless and we can't describe it, if we're so amazed at the wonder of creation, what would it be like to see the wonder of the creator? Are you with me? If creation makes us that amazed, how much more amazing would it be to see the one who created, to see the wonder of God? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is seeing the wonder of God. What would it be like to see the wonder of God? Could we behold him? 
Could we see him? Could we, could we explain seeing him? What would it be like to see that? And what we're going to look at is in as Exodus 24, we're going to see a group of people that gets to behold the wonder of God. They get to peer in to this wonder that I'm talking about today. And so go ahead, take your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 24. We're picking up where we left off. So verse 9 is where we're going to be picking up. Exodus 24, verse 9. And we're going to look at them seeing the wonder of God. Remember, God told Moses, he just had told him to come up to the Lord and worship. He says, Moses, you come and you worship. In fact, he says, bring some with you. He says, bring Aaron and and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders. Bring them with you, but they will be from afar, and you alone, Moses, will come up to me. He says, so you come. You remember what Moses did last week? We talked about it. We talked about the covenant and and this picture of the blood covenant. And and Moses took and he kind of consecrated the people. He prepared for them to go up and meet him. He took the offering and the blood and put it in basins. And then he took that blood. Y'all remember this, don't you? How can you forget what happened? He takes it and he sprinkles it on the altar. Right, Miss Doris? He sprinkled it on the altar. And then he takes it and sprinkles it on the people. Y'all remember? A bloody mess, right? Sprinkles it everywhere because for them to see God, for them to come up, it required a sacrifice. It required a blood sacrifice. And God reaffirmed his covenant and his blood covenant. We took of the new covenant blood last week as we took of the Lord's Supper. What a special time that was. And so that's where we are. They just read of the book of the covenant. And now we're picking up Exodus 24, verse 9. If you're there, say amen. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. There it is, y'all. They saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. And then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you the tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant, Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur, this was a bad idea, y'all. Aaron and Hur are with you, and if any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Verse 15, then Moses went up to the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. And now the glory of the Lord, listen, don't miss this. Don't just read the scripture just as a book. This is God's word coming to life as we read and think about what's going on here. Moses comes up to a mountain. He brings people, and look at what's there. It says in verse 16, now the glory of the Lord rested on the place. I told y'all about Wednesday night at the revival in the Experience God revival, the tent revival. I'm telling you, I don't know how else to describe it than the glory of the Lord rested on the place. This is beautiful when you think about what Moses is experiencing. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain for how many days? 40 days and how many nights? 40 nights. Father, I just pray that as we read this, God, Lord, you would use your word through the movement of the Holy Spirit and the goodness of who you are 
to speak to us today. God, I desire to see the wonder of God again and again and again and again and again. So, Lord, would you help us see it again? Lord, help us understand what was going on here and what you were doing, and then help us apply that to our lives, God. Lord, take us where you want us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The first thing is, is they saw the wonder of the God of Israel. You can't get away from this. As I read that, I, just, I, I couldn't help but just kept going back to they saw God. I mean, those words were like bold and like coming out of the page to me. They saw God. Not only did they see God, though, it says they saw, in verse 10, they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet were paved work of sapphire stone in the heavens itself, and it's all clarity. Could you imagine this? Not only seeing the wonder of creation, but they peered into the wonder of God. So I want to look first at this wonder of the moment, this moment that's going on, this God-honoring, glorifying wonder that's happening right here that we just read. It was huge for Moses and the elders. Not only were they seeing the wonder of God, but they're seeing the wonder of their God, the God of Israel. Now think about this. I mean, just a few months before this, this God, the God that they just saw, their God, the God of Israel, was the one who was calling from a burning bush and was calling to Moses and said, Moses, come, take off your sandals, right? You're on holy ground. And you remember his words to Moses? He said, I am the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he told him. Think about this. When you read through Genesis and you read all the stories of a God who providently just ordained these events to happen, who loved and pursued his people, who called a people, and who walked with his people, and all the things that happens throughout the book of Genesis, to the point at the end, literally at the very end of Genesis, Joseph says, what you meant for evil and all that has happened, God meant for good. This picture of God working in such a dramatic, awesome way. This is the God they saw. Just a few hundred years ago, this was the God that spoke to Abraham. We just looked at it last week, reminded ourselves of Genesis 15 when God spoke to Abraham and he walked through the, the carcasses of the animals and he says, I'm making a covenant with you, Abraham. He says, your people will be slaves for 400 years. They'll be foreigners and servants for 400 years, but then I will give you this land. And here we are. Don't forget where we are in our story. We are at the place where they are free after 400 years, breaking out of Egypt, running out of Egypt, splitting Red Seas, finding themselves at the Mount Sinai where the glory of God is resting, ready for the Lord to take them to the promised place he had promised them. It's amazing. This is their God. And look at what it says they saw. In verse 10, it says, And there was under his feet as if it were a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. Ladies, how many of y'all have a sapphire stone? Anybody? There we go. I figured a few of y'all did. They're beautiful, aren't they? When you think of true sapphire, you're thinking of this really crystal blue, this very blue stone. It's beautiful. I got a picture up here I want to show you of this, this paved work, what it could have looked like. I don't know. It's a little small, but this paved just blue work, and that's a throne up there. I just have this image in my mind of, of what they saw when they saw the presence of God, however that was, however he manifests himself. It says they saw the God of Israel under his feet was like paved sapphire, a work of sapphire, and it says it was clear as the blue blue skies, the heavens in its clarity. 
In Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel sees a vision of the throne of God. You know what he says? He says they're surrounding so much sapphire. He uses the same language in Ezekiel 1, the appearance of sapphire stone. In Revelation 21, at the end of the Bible, at the very end, when the new heavens come and the new Jerusalem's come, a new heaven and new earth, you know what it says? It says there's a city wall with precious stones as its foundation. It says, in fact, part of the precious stone is sapphire that's up in the city walls all the way around. Can y'all imagine what is being expressed here? Now, does that mean heaven has gold and sapphire and all this? I, I don't really know. But it says that there's only way they could explain it, the only way they can express it, and the only way we can understand it is, is through this imagery that they're giving, through the sapphire and this gold streets and all the things of heaven. I just can't imagine beholding the glory of God in the place of heaven. It seems inexpressible. But here they are, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel getting to go see the wonder of God. Not only did they see the wonder of God, did you catch what it said next? It says that he didn't lay his hand on the nobles of the children of Israel. It says they saw God and they ate and drank. In other words, they were pretty amazed that after seeing what they saw, they could continue to live. I mean, they've seen the glory of God and, and the fear of God that comes with that. If I behold such an image, then, then it's this picture of, I don't even know if I'll be able to make it out of that. But they ate and they drank and they fellowshiped right there in that presence of wherever God had showed himself to them. Man, I don't know about y'all, but it seems, like, it seems like that's the attitude we should have. When you see the glory of God, when you see the wonder of God, shouldn't it bring us to a place of, man, I don't even know if I should make it out of this alive. Like, I'm I'm watching a holy God, almighty in all that he is, revealing himself to me. I don't deserve this, but praise God for it. And so the elders and all of them, they worship from afar, and then Moses gets called up into a closer presence here. And we'll get to that in a minute, but I want to see the purpose of this first. There's a purpose of the wonder. And you see this in verse 12. It says, Then the Lord said, Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone, the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. God called Moses with a purpose. He says, come and worship. But then what does he say? He says, and when you worship, I'll give you what? My law and my commandments. I'll give you what I desire, obedience that, that, that you can walk in. I, and so as God reveals himself, it's not just to make us feel good. It's not just for an emotional experience. When he reveals himself, he's revealing himself to show you who he is and that you would be in such awe and love of who he is that you would in turn do nothing else but walk in obedience to him when you leave. Are you all with me? This picture of worship, understanding real worship in God's presence And not only that, but he gives the commandments for more than just personal obedience. It says, so that he may teach them. Y'all realize that your time in the word is not just for you. That as you spend time with God and your quiet times with him in the mornings or whenever you have that time with the Lord, that I believe he does that so that you can teach others out of the overflow of that, so that you can show the glory of God to others, so that he's moving and not just in you, but in those around you. It's a beautiful pattern here. God calls, we come. He cleans, he cleanses us, we change. He commissions us, and we kind of start this coalition. We come together for his mission and his work. Praise God, church. Praise God. 
And then finally, with Moses, what do we see? This intimacy with the God behind the wonder. Y'all look at it with me in verse 16. It says, The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on on the top to the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Again, I love this image of the midst of the cloud. And it's what we experienced through this week, through the revival and walking through that. I don't know, I've already said it, but I want to say it again. If you were there on Wednesday night, It was like God was so faithful all week long, and he was there and moved all week long. But Wednesday night, it was almost like we heard the cry of God to say, come into the midst. Come into the midst. And Moses got to come into that midst. This intimacy with God. Six days, he's there. And then on the seventh day, he says, come in. And he gets yet again this deeper experience with God. And then he spends 40 days and 40 nights there. To the point of when he comes down, we're about to learn that his face shined. That his face would, would radiate and, and show the glory of God that he, he saw God. And if you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, there's that moment when he comes down and, and Joshua's there. And, and they're like, look at his face. He has seen God. He's seen God. And this is what happens. He sees God. And he's in this presence. His face shines. And so here's what I want us to understand today, though. So we get what happened there. We get the beauty and the radiance and all the glory that's happened there. But here's what I want to share with you today. This same wonder of God can still be seen by us. In fact, I would probably argue not only the same, but even in a greater way, this wonder of God can be revealed to us today. It can be revealed, it can be seen. And, and, and first off, it's the wonder of our God today. Uh, yes, he's the God of Israel. Yes, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, he's the God of them. But through Christ, he becomes our God too. Amen, church? He becomes our God and someone that we can look into, someone that we can see the wonder of God into and, and peer into. And in John 1, it says, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is the, in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Talking about Jesus, that he has declared him. And that word declared doesn't mean he just spoke him. It means that he made God revealable, that you can see God, that he has made him visible, that now we can see God through the face of Christ. Colossians 1 says he is the image of the invisible God. That there's an invisible God and Christ is the image of this God. Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It calls Jesus the brightness of his glory. When you think of the glory of God, they say Jesus is the brightness of that glory. He's the express, exact image. And then 2 Corinthians 4 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of what? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so while Moses came down and he reflected the glory of God, We, because of what Christ has done for us, don't only reflect the glory of God, but Jesus came and washed, made the face of the glory of God revealed. It says the brightness of his glory. Praise God for that. And then if that's not good enough, here's what he says in John 17. He says this glory that Jesus reveals, the glory, the brightness of him, he says, not only to my disciples, but to the ones who believe in me after I'm gone, to us, 
He says, this is what's given to us. Look at it in John 17, 22. It's on the screen here. He says, and the glory which you gave me, talking to the Father, the glory that the Father gave me, he says, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. He says that we would behold the glory of God. And he says, that's the glory the Father has given me, and I give it to them. How does he do that? I in them and you in me. What's he talking about there? The Holy Spirit that resides in us. The Holy Spirit that comes. When we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes. Not only does the glory of God become something we can see and peer into, but it's something that dwells within us. Are y'all listening to me this morning? The glory of God isn't just something we can see. It's something that through Christ, he indwells within us. Man, greater than even them, I believe. And there's a wonderful purpose still yet for this. This true worship. John Piper explains it this way. He says, the inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, by treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, and being satisfied with God above all earthly things. You know, when I think of worship, here's what I think of. I think of knowing God and being known by God. Isn't it something that we're known by God? I mean, when I really think of the reality of who God is and the beauty of God, isn't it something that he knows me and he knows you? Every hair on your head, every care of your heart, every intention of your mind, everything that makes you you, he knows deeply. But then it's even a greater thing to me that I'm able to know God. That me, in my own heart, and all that I know that I am, can know God. Man. True worship leads to this obedience. And John MacArthur says, if worship does not change us, it has not been worship. If it doesn't change us, it's not been worship. What is worship then? Worship's when God completely shows you himself and then you fall to your knees and you say, I'm never the same because I've seen you, God. I've seen you. That the name of Jesus may be magnified. Here's the last thing I want to share with you today. The most incredible wonder of today is that God desires even greater intimacy with us talking about things of wonder. The greatest wonder to me is that God desires a greater intimacy with us. If you look at this passage, we have Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders of Israel experience this great wonder of God. They saw God, and then Moses enters into the midst of the cloud in an even deeper experience with God. He spends 40 days and 40 nights there. But God desires greater intimacy with us. God allowed them to see whatever it is they saw. They saw God and they saw what he was standing on, that it was paved work of sapphire stone. God allowed them to see that. God allowed Ezekiel to see the throne room and to see the sapphire all there. And he allowed John to see the new heaven and the new earth and all of that. But you know what I believe scripture teaches? And if you're listening, I want you to say I'm listening. 
I believe scripture teaches that not only do we get to see these things that are described that we've read today, but I believe that we get to go there. What do I mean? One day, yeah, absolutely one day. But what about now? What about today? I believe that God has made a way for us not to have to wait for miraculous moments, not to see burning bushes and not to see all the things that, that happens in the, the Mount Sinai and the cloud that fell down and all the things that we read about. I believe we don't have to have those moments. Now, God does those things in special ways that you'll never forget, absolutely. But I believe that we don't have to wait for those moments to see the wonder of God. I believe right now every single one of us are invited into this place of God's glory. And how do I know that? How do I see that? Well, I believe Scripture tells us that it's called the throne of grace. In Hebrews 4, it says, Let us therefore come boldly. And the therefore is because of the work of Jesus, what Jesus has done, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He says, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we are invited into a spiritual place. It's not a geographical place. It's a spiritual place to see the wonder of God. And it's the most real place, perhaps. It's not imaginary. It's the most real place in the entire universe. To see the throne of grace, to be invited, to find God's mercy and to obtain his grace. And the cost has already been settled. You don't have to pay a dime to enter into the throne of grace. Why? Because he has already paid it in full through his own blood that we just looked at last week. And he invites us into this spiritual place, this intimacy with God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Jeremiah 29 says, then call upon me and go pray to me and I will listen. Seek me and find me. Search me with all your heart. And he says, I will be found, says the Lord. I thought today, I wanted to have time for response today, for us to respond. Because I believe within my heart of hearts, I believe right here in this moment, that God is inviting you to a very special place to peer in and see the wonder of God, but not only just to see it, but to experience it by actually entering into the throne of grace. When is the last time that you have beheld the wonder of God? When's the last time you've seen the wonder of God in your life where you are on your knees and you say, I just can't fathom, I can't express this place. Y'all remember who went up there with him? Aaron, Joshua, says Moses, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders. Nadab and Abihu. If you go ahead and read the rest of your scripture and you keep going, you'll find out that Nadab and Abihu come up again. And what happens with Nadab and Abihu, they're the sons of Aaron, and they're the priestly tribe, and they're in charge of taking care of the tabernacle and the things going on. And it tells us in Leviticus that Nadab and Abihu took and used strange fire. What does that mean? It says that they offered an incense and an offering with a way that God did not prescribe for it to be done. That he told them to do it a certain way, and they didn't do it the way God had told them to do it. And you know what happened? They were burned up just like that. Think about this with me, church. They disregarded what was holy. God told them this was a holy thing, and they disregarded it. But they were doing the priestly thing. They were in the tabernacle. They were doing the priestly thing. But what happened? They disregarded it for what it really was. 
Here's the two people that went up to the Mount Sinai from afar and saw the glory of God resting. They saw the sapphire stone paved underneath of them. They saw this from afar and they worshiped and they were greatly moved. But then just a few little bit later, they're disregarding what was holy and God struck them dead just like that. Now, why do I tell you that today? Because I believe that we can see the wonder of God And then we can just go on about our day doing the churchly thing, doing the thing where we show up, doing the thing where we just make it happen and do what everybody else does, yet disregard what it really is. And can I just speak to you just for a moment today? If you're in this place and you're sitting in this pew and you've disregarded what is holy, if you've disregarded what this whole thing is, if you've just kind of thought you were going to church because it's the thing on the agenda and you've lost track of what is holy, would you come to the throne of grace today, find your place right here and say, God, I'm so sorry, you are holy and you deserve every bit of me. And it says, if you search me with all of your heart, you will find me. And you know where he's at? Sitting at the right hand of God. You want to go there today? I want to go there. Let's go there. Father, I come before you right now, Lord. And I think about all the hurts and pains and all the things going on in in the midst of your people right here, Lord. Lord, those that, that are so distracted with life. I was just talking with a brother this morning, Lord, and he's just telling me I'm I'm trying to get away from busy. I don't want busy. I don't want the distraction. I, I, I want to be in the moment. I want to honor God with everything. And I, I just, Lord, I, I pray that that would be where we might come to today. Lord, I don't want to just be here preaching, God. I don't want to just do the churchly things. I want to regard it for what it is, God. I want to, to respect this moment, Lord. Lord, I want to respect this moment of knowing, God, that that you are real. And if you're real, you're true. And if you're true, you're holy. And if you're holy, you're just. And if you're just, you're loving. And God, I want to be overwhelmed with who you are today. God, I want to wonder. I want to see the wonder of you. And I pray that you would just take us from these pews right now, Lord. And take us into your very presence into the presence of the throne of grace that we can enter boldly, God, because of the blood of Jesus. God, I'm so thankful for Cody and Hayden's salvation, Lord. Lord, you called them out of darkness and into light, from death to life. And Lord, perhaps there's someone in here today that you want to call out from death to life, Lord. Lord, perhaps there's someone in here that that really has disregarded this whole thing with Christ who's just thought of Christ being God and, and, and just this, this, this thing we do and thing I'm normally and callous to. And God, today, though, you've spoke to him and said, no, this whole thing is much bigger than I could have ever dreamed of. Lord, your holiness is much greater than I could have ever thought. And Lord, I need Jesus and all of Jesus to cover me and cleanse me so that I can enter into this great, holy, glorifying place. The spiritual place of being at peace with God, having atonement through crying out, we're sinners. We turn, we repent, God, we see you, and we desire you, and we call on the name of Jesus. And those who call on the name of Jesus, confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, they shall be saved.
Lord, let us call out to Jesus in the name of Jesus today. Lord, may we enter your praise to the throne of grace. Lord, move us this very moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Y'all stand with me.
Thanks for listening today, and we trust that you were blessed by an almighty God that loves you. Friendship loves you as well, and if you would like to talk to someone, please call the church at 903-549-2542. Again, that is 903-549-2542. God bless you.